friends. On this episode of Make Out Already, Meg and I recap The Unhoneymooners by writing duo Christina Loring. This enemies to lovers rom-com has the yummiest sexual tension, an assortment of plot twists, and fantastic dialogue. We were also thrilled to discover the heroine is Latina, and you know I love me a stern brunch daddy of a hero. Before we get into our spoiler discussion, we wanted to address the absolute shitshow anxiety clusterfuck that was the presidential election. We are so grateful and relieved that the Biden-Harris ticket won. We obviously believe in the power of love, and voting for a more just, inclusive society is a step toward love. And while we hope this episode helps boost your serotonin after the election hangover, we still have some work to do. Democrats can pick up two Senate seats in the Georgia runoff election. We'll have links in the show notes to ways you can help, including a link to Fair Fight, founded by former Georgia gubernatorial candidate, romantic suspense writer, and stone-cold badass Stacey Abrams. And now, on to the Unhoneymooners. Hi, Meg. Hi, Liz. I we survived. The <laughs> we did. We survived. And part of my self-care was reading Beyond Honeymooners. <laughs> <sighs> okay. Oh, this book was so good. And I, I finished it at like 1.30 in the morning the day that I finished reading it. And I think it was <laughs> like election day two. And that day I'd spent most of the day asleep because yeah. I couldn't deal with existing in a human body on earth. <laughs> so so I had like a lot of energy and I couldn't sleep and I stayed up and read the Unhoneymooners and it was so good. Didn't you feel like you were on vacation? Yes. It oh. felt really, really good. <laughs> and I usually... Okay, so you've seen Meet the Parents, right? Yes. Uh-huh. Okay. I, <laughs> I've seen Meet the Parents so many times, and I love and hate that movie because I don't like seeing a bunch of terrible things happen to someone. Yeah, it gives me high blood pressure. <laughs> yes. It makes me incredibly anxious, but this book like yeah. managed to walk the line with yeah. that. Uh, should we just like <laughs> get into the synopsis of it? Sure. Well, do you want to talk about why we chose to read it first? Yes. Why did we choose to read it? Well, I think number one, it just looked fun. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, we're all, I think we should all be leaning into whatever pleasure we can eke out of our existence right mm-hmm. now. So that was part of it. But also, I had never read Christina Lauren before. Neither had I. And I was very interested in that because, I mean, I'm not really even aware of another writing duo like that um i am aware of at least one more kit roca i think that they write like a lot more graphic erotica than christina lauren right mm. um mm-hmm. and i want to say that some of it is like paranormal uh not totally sure but yeah they're a writing duo but this is the first writing duo that i've read yeah so it's christina hobbs and lauren billings and I thought it was so sweet in the acknowledgments oh. at the end. They thanked each other in these really tender ways, which I really enjoyed. But, um, yeah, they're hugely successful. They have a holiday book coming out called In a Holidays, which I might read because I just enjoyed this so much. Mm-hmm. Um, I have Twice Upon a Blue Moon on my Kindle. It's been on there forever, and I think I might read that one next from them. Yeah, this was just so 
enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was really curious about their process and how they work together. And I'm sure that they've probably done more in-depth interviews elsewhere, but I was just like looking through their website mm-hmm. and they say they collaborate evenly on it and that they get together um, in person and that they talk out the plot and the characters and everything like really thoroughly and they map out the book and then they pick and choose chapters each of them to write and then like as they're writing the chapters they share them they said early and often so they know what's happening and what difficulties might be coming up mm-hmm. and I just thought wow that is so cool like I don't know it, I think it just would take a very particular set of friends and like a very particular dynamic to make that work and mm-hmm. obviously the result is great yeah do you think that we could be a writing duo Meg I'm gonna say no and I'm gonna tell you why I <laughs> I'm uh-huh. not that organized oh really I know that, that would not be why I would say no why would you say no <laughs> I th- well honestly just because I don't, I don't have what it takes, I I think, to write a novel. So I could be your, like, editor, and I could talk through, uh, like, you know, you could bounce ideas off of me, but I would not be able to pull my weight as your writing partner. (laughs) I mean, you know that I'm in the middle of revising book one, which took me five years to write so like but I'm you gonna hold did you to it that. I'm gonna hold you to that about being my editor because once I'm finished with this revision I'm gonna need some eyes on it <laughs> all right I'm there uh so the unhoneymooners by Christina Lauren do you want to do the synopsis or do you want me to do the synopsis do you mind I'm so I'm so bad at them <laughs> you're not you're not bad at them Okay. I, I, okay. You just go. You just go. I just get caught up on the details and it gets to be way too long. We have to re record it because it goes on for like 40 minutes. So, okay, fair. Ahead. But like, you remember <laughs> all these details and that's awesome. Okay. So, The Unhoneymooners is about Olive and Ethan. Now, Olive is a twin and her twin sister, I don't know if it's Amy or Ami. Oh, how did you read it? I read it Amy. Okay, let's go with Amy, short for Amelia. Um, Olive and Amy are twins, and Amy's getting married. Amy is, like, super lucky, and she's basically paid for this whole wedding by winning a bunch of contests. And Mm -hmm. Olive is the unlucky twin, and she has had all sorts of ridiculous misfortunes throughout her life. Most recently... She was laid off and she, she hates the best man. She hates the brother of the groom. His name is Ethan because she thinks that he's stuck up and she thinks that he fat shamed her when they were cheese curds because, because she was eating cheese curds and he looked at her with like disgust. So she thinks that he food and fat shamed her because she's a little thicker and he, and, and, like, she just doesn't like him. They've always fought, like, crazy. She's and not a big fan of the groom, either. She's not a big fan of the groom, either, because he's a huge <clears throat> dude, bro. But her sister seems happy, so whatever. Mm-hmm. So she and Ethan are the only ones who don't partake in the wedding buffet because she's allergic to shellfish, and that's what Amy won in the contest, a seafood buffet. And mm-hmm. Ethan does not eat buffets because they are 
breeding grounds for bacteria. And he ends up being correct because in the middle of the wedding, everyone Ugh. except for Ethan and Olive, it, it's like that scene in Bridesmaids. Everyone just starts puking <laughs> over each other. First with the groom puking on the bride all over her dress, then the bride puking on the groom. It's a disgusting disaster that Olive and Ethan are the only ones who are unaffected by it. Um, Turns out that uh, the seafood had been contaminated with the cigatera toxin. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. So there's nothing that, like, the caterer could have done. Uh, That makes me never want to eat sushi again. Yeah. Yep. I felt the same. I didn't even know that that was a thing. Neither did I. So now I will never forget. So Amy is obviously not in good shape to go on her non-refundable sweepstakes honeymoon to Maui the next day. So she tells her twin sister, you need to take my honeymoon. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's kind of hard to say no to a free vacation to Hawaii, even if you have to commit some, like, light fraud to (laughs) get it. Uh, But who is going to go with her it's got to be ethan because the reservation is under amy's name and just the last name of the groom so Mm -hmm. ethan can just easily slide into that spot so they agree okay fine we are going to go on this vacation together and we're just going to ignore each other because we're going to be in maui and it's going to be amazing right so they get to maui uh Olive is not a good liar. She has trouble from jump keeping their story straight because she gets really flustered. And then she goes to get a massage and who, wait, I should say, she at the airport gets a call their job that she had applied for. She is going to be hired for it. So, so it seems like she, her luck has suddenly completely turned around. Like she's the only one who didn't get sick at this buffet she gets to take a vacation in Maui. She gets this job. Right. Her luck is turning around. But when she goes to get a massage in the spa, she runs into her future boss, the owner of this company. And the massage therapist comes back out and calls her Mrs. Thomas. And then she's in this weird spot where she either like comes clean to her new boss or tells the massage therapist, like, oh, I'm not actually married which would like ruin the whole vacation fraud that they're trying to commit so she just goes along with like oh yeah i just got married and she has to convince ethan to pretend to be her husband at this dinner with her boss because her boss invited them to dinner because he's there for an anniversary trip with his wife side note Mm -hmm. if you run into people on their honeymoon don't invite them to dinner. They don't want to have dinner with you. Yeah. I was like, that That would be a rude thing. They don't <laughs> like, want to be... have dinner with you. They want to enjoy their honeymoon. They don't want to hang out yeah. with your boss. Right. If you have, like, a set number of days available to be on your honeymoon, do you want to waste one of your dinners? <laughs> on a working <laughs> dinner? dinner? Yeah. Yeah. No. Don't, don't try to rude. be nice. It's not nice. It's rude. rude. Yeah. So... I thought the same thing. Yes. During this dinner, Ethan is just, like, so charming. Charms the pants off of the boss and his wife and charms Olive. So mm-hmm. she she's always known that Ethan is attractive, but she didn't think that he had any kind of a personality. And the fact that he can even fake a personality is very intriguing to her. Sure. 
So they start to kind of warm up to each other. And because this is like the most chaotic of vacations, (laughs) they then run into Ethan's ex-girlfriend who he broke up with, who dumped him not that long ago when he had proposed. She is now engaged to some like grocery store manager or something. Mm -hmm. And Ethan freaks out, panics, and is like, ah, this is my wife. I just got married. So even after Olive's boss leaves, they still have to keep up this ruse that they're married. Mm -hmm. Um, And now, like, I feel like so put on the spot by you saying that you're bad at these recaps because I read this so fast that now I'm like, uh, what happened? (laughs) (laughs) What else happened in this book? So they they have to keep up the ruse in front of I think what was her name Sophie, mm-hmm. um, his ex girlfriend, and so there's like all kinds of um, scheduled outings via the resort that they're at, and they keep getting much thrown together. Oh yes, yes. But like you said, they're getting like they're warming to each other quite a bit until there's um, they they take a little outing to get out, off of the resort, and they stop by a restaurant where they're having. Uh, what was it? Mai Tai, a Mai Tai special. Yes, he was having dollar ninety nine Mai Tais. She was just watching right. him. Yeah, so he gets, let's say, um, lubricated, mm-hmm. and he sort of like confesses to her that he was like, always into her, and that his brother, the groom, uh, discouraged him from pursuing her, and then her attitude toward him was a turn off too because. She thought that uh, he had food shamed her over cheese curds and acted accordingly. So it kind of comes out like, oh, I've always been into you. But, you know, it was all just a big misunderstanding. Right. And they share a kiss, drunken on his part, not drunken on her part. Mm -hmm. A very good kiss. Yes. The next day it's like, does he remember? Are we going to talk about this? So then... It seems like, okay, they don't hate each other anymore. They're clearly into each other. But a bunch of stuff starts to not really make sense about Olive's new brother-in-law. For instance, Mm -hmm. um, Dane was always getting, like, carted off on these trips with Ethan during, like, Valentine's Day or Amy's birthday. So, like, that was another reason that she didn't like Ethan because she felt like this douchebag is, like, stealing my sister's boyfriend away during all these special moments, and it hurts her feelings, so I don't like him because it's hurting my sister. But when she mentions that to Ethan, Ethan's like, I didn't plan any of those trips. Those were all my brother's idea. So, like, red flag number one. Yeah, and we can believe that because on their flight to Hawaii, he was freaking out on the plane. Mm -hmm. So that adds, like, extra legitimacy to it. Yeah, he does not like to fly at all. And then he makes some joke about some girl who Dane was dating who had a mango tattoo. And the time frame doesn't make any sense because at the time he was dating Amy. And Ethan's like, well, yeah, but they had an open relationship. And Olive's like, no, the fuck they did not. (laughs) So they're at this impasse because Ethan can't just believe that his brother is just a player and a liar. And Mm -hmm. 
assumes that Olive just doesn't know the whole story and that Amy must have known and just didn't talk to Olive about it. Right. Uh, and then because, like, she's dickmatized by Ethan when they finally do have sex, she decides, you know what, I'm not going to talk to Amy about this. It's her business. I don't want to put her on the spot. Really, she just doesn't want to upset Ethan. Like, that. that's the tea. So, yeah, she does kind of, like, say that she leaves room to believe that maybe that's something that her sister wouldn't have shared with her. <laughs> and maybe she, like usual, is just assuming the worst. Yeah, which is what we're supposed to believe is her big character flaw, but I don't know that I really saw that. I mean, I think that she always yeah. assumed the worst about her own luck, but she didn't seem like someone who assumed the worst about people and situations. Yeah, I felt the same way. Yeah. So they get back to Twin Cities, um, and they're kissing at the airport, and little did they know that Amy and Dane were going to be their welcoming party at the airport. So they don't get a chance <laughs> to come out about their relationship the way that they might have wanted to. So it's a big surprise for everyone, and they immediately jump into being boyfriend and girlfriend, and it's sweet and adorable, but then they go out for drinks with Dane, and when Ethan goes to the bathroom, Dane hits on olive and basically is like hey if you ever want to trade siblings Uh, yeah hit me up she leaves ethan goes after her and is like hey what's wrong she tells ethan what his brother said and ethan instead of being completely outraged on her behalf is like you must have misunderstood him there's no way that that's what he meant Mm-hmm. So Dane's got like everyone sort of played. Olive decides that she does need to talk to her sister. She tells her sister about what happened and about her theories about Dane cheating on her for years. Amy completely flips out and just says terrible things to Olive. So Olive ends up without a boyfriend and her twin sister isn't talking to her. And then she starts her new job. Oh no, I'm. I'm going out of order. She also lost her job because she came clean to her boss about the fact that she wasn't married and her boss is like all about like the morality clause that she signed when she took the job. So he fires her. She gets fired on her first day. So she's got no job, no, no boyfriend, no sister. Everything's just been destroyed for her. (sighs) So that is the longest (laughs) synopsis I've ever done. Oh my God. (laughs) There's a lot of, plot in this book. Anyway, Amy decides that she's going to start doing some investigating because, you know, things aren't adding up. And she calls Olive over. She tells Olive what, that she thinks Olive is right. They have, like, a tearful sister get-together. And it turns out that she had gone through Dane's phone and texted as Dane all these women who he was hooking up with and said, hey, come over. And, like, his parade of women start showing up after Dane comes home from work. And mm-hmm. they're all like, you're married? You're disgusting. And just, like, sing like canaries and tell Amy, like, I didn't know. I am so sorry. The last time we were together was X date. Uh, mm-hmm. You're an asshole. 
Mm-hmm. Amy divorces him. It's like this whole thing. Ethan- oh, Ethan shows up too. Oh, yes. Ethan yeah. shows up too. Thank you. And he sees the situation play out. He realizes that Olive was he completely right and he <laughs> fucked up. He apologizes. Olive is like, keep it. <laughs> yes. Yes. Because <laughs> you love to see it. Yes. Because <laughs> no, you don't get immediate forgiveness for that. But he does eventually get forgiveness because he talks her whole family into participating in this grand gesture. Uh, She gets a job working at her uncle or cousin's fancy restaurant and Ethan apologizes there. They make up. And then in the epilogue, which is a year or two later, they go back to Maui with Amy and her new boyfriend because they owe Amy a Hawaiian vacation. And he proposes. The end. That synopsis was a hot fucking mess. <laughs> you did a great job. Okay. The, TL, <laughs> the TLDR of that is two people who don't like each other end up taking a free Maui vacation from people who have food poisoning. They start liking each other, but... They are at loggerheads over whether his brother is cheating on her sister or not. Shenanigans ensue, but then it all works out at the end. Hooray! Hooray! <laughs> that was a good one. That was like, what, a 10 second synopsis? Ugh. That was very good. Okay, where do you even want to start with this, Meg? Because this um, book has one of the tropes that you really like, but it also has something that you usually don't like, which is slapstick. Yes. I uh, Let's talk about what we liked. Because mm-hmm. I actually, I'm going to keep my grievances pretty short mm-hmm. for this one. Just because I enjoyed it. But, um, so, like I already mentioned, I, I really enjoyed it as a little mental vacation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it was fun to be in Maui for a little mm-hmm. bit. Um, and it really, really reminded me for, I don't, they I want to say it's like basically two thirds of the book is when they're in Maui. Mm-hmm. Um, and that whole section really reminded me of the movie Forgetting Sarah Marshall. It did, especially with Sophie and her boyfriend showing up. Yes. Yeah. So that's the 2008 romantic comedy. It's got Jason Siegel and Kristen Bell and Mila Kunis and Russell Brand. So it felt very much kind of like, a redux of that mm-hmm. in a way, but I didn't mind it because I, I love that movie so much and it did go, you know, ultimately in a different direction. Mm-hmm. But so I enjoyed that. Um, it kind of made me think of forgetting Sarah Marshall, but also just my luck, the Lindsay Lohan and Chris Pine movie. I'm sorry. What? I have never heard of this. Chris Pine opposite Lindsay Lohan. I, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me that you don't know about this movie? No, I'm not okay. at all. All right. Real quick. Just my look. 2006 romantic comedy starring Lindsay Lohan and Chris Pine. So she... What? She, Who dreamed that combo She up? is super lucky. And she kisses this dude who's just like a bad luck magnet played by Chris Pine and the kiss switches their luck. So suddenly like everything's in her life starts going wrong and everything in his life starts going wrong. And she's like, um, I want my luck back. Give me my luck back. Mm-hmm. So that is all I remember about it. Uh, but I remember <laughs> liking it and thinking it was cute and funny. Okay. Wow. Okay. 
No, I literally had never heard of that. Was it a huge deal? Is that why you were so shocked I hadn't heard of it? I mean, it was... I feel like that was when Lindsay was at the peak of her career and also just, like... Of course you would know a movie Chris Pine was in. So, that is so confusing to me because, (laughs) like, Chris Pine is, like, a full-on zaddy. Yes, he is. Right now. And Lindsay Lohan is just not not there um and she seems like i i think of her as younger than him i don't know if that's right but anyway wow that is quite a pairing mm-hmm. and i'm gonna seek that out later but anyway <laughs> so what else did you like about it um so dane who's like our sort of villain of the mm-hmm. movie or of the movie of the book felt a bit flat to me but other than that i loved like every character mm-hmm. in this i loved her boss and his wife i loved all of her like her aunts and her mom and her cousins i just thought everyone was just like interesting and i don't know well engaging yeah. um uh, and like you said i love force proximity mm-hmm. And so we had some of that, and we had enemies to friends to lovers thing. We had it was sort of like a second chance situation mm-hmm. because, like, they had that initial attraction, and they were like, "Ooh, is this gonna happen?" And then it totally went awry. Yeah. And there were just some like delicious misunderstandings throughout, mm-hmm. where it's like you have these revelations that were really satisfying. And I believe. You texted me this while you were reading, but you were like, the sexual tension is delicious. It was so delicious. <laughs> yeah, it's really, really good. I was like, it's so tasty. I could put it in a blender and enjoy it with a salt rim. Mm-hmm. Like, it is so good. Um, and I really enjoyed her, like, big family dynamics. Um, you know, she has, she. I think it's just the two of them that's like, from her particular like nuclear family but she has a ton of cousins and like a large family who's all at the wedding and then we see them afterward kind of descend when she's having a hard time to like prop her up um she has some funny like text conversations with her cousins that are really fun Mm -hmm. so i enjoyed those but the whole two-thirds of the book when they're in maui was just really fun because i think they really captured that feeling of like being away from it all you're in this bubble where everything is perfect and the relationship is like fresh and perfect and you're totally ignoring your real life but it feels like so good even though you know it's going to come to an end at some point and I, I felt that when I was reading it yeah I really liked that in Maui they had outings and we got to see them on vacation having different excursions because it felt like yeah like, it wasn't just a sitting and talking book. They actually did things. Um, yeah. And I like seeing that in a romance novel. I like seeing the characters go on dates. Yeah. Yeah. We see them in different environments and, like, with different situations that they have to have reactions mm-hmm. to. Uh, and I also loved how funny this was. It was just, like, there was a laugh a page and it didn't feel forced. It was just like yeah. all it, it was entirely first person present tense from Olive's perspective and Olive is just her internal monologue is very funny. Her reactions to situations are very funny. And she has like the perfect mix of like dry and absurd humor. Mm-hmm. And 
the writing was seamless. I was so surprised that this was written by two people. Like I was trying to spot like, okay, this is, this is one person. This is another person writing, but it was so consistent. Yeah, no, I felt the same way. I, I had no idea. That's why I was so curious about their process because it was very Mm -hmm. consistent. All right. Uh, Do you want to get into categories? Okay. So did you have any grievances? I know we loved it, but there's usually a couple of things we. (laughs) Uh, I didn't love the epilogue from Ethan's perspective because it was jarring. It was jarring. Yeah. We hadn't heard from him at all throughout so it was really weird to have that perspective shift Mm -hmm. I would have preferred it to just be from Olive's point of view I think that it would have had the same result without feeling so random Mm -hmm. um and you know I liked I liked the fact that considering that they had a years-long misunderstanding that they actually were really good communicators once they actually started communicating yeah and they were very self-aware about their own baggage Mm -hmm. um and i kind of wonder if it was a fault of the book to not have more of that because it went from like hateful banter to sort of flirty bound banter to more serious, meaningful conversations. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't really yeah. have a solid grievance. I feel like I wanted to see more of them having those talks after that started. So I, I think that my main grievance is kind of like an offshoot of what you're saying, which is once they're together, finally, Ethan is like, highly emotionally mature Mm -hmm. (laughs) like at one point Olive's yelling at him stop being so emotionally balanced yeah (laughs) like if if he were that emotionally mature he would have like had one conversation with her over the years been like hey so why don't you like like what is this thing between us it doesn't vibe with his like petty douchiness in the beginning of the book and like how it's gone on for years and there's a point, like, after they hook up where there's kind of a misunderstanding where Olive's feelings are hurt and he sends her this, like, beautiful apology in a text, I think. Mm-hmm. And the line I thought was so funny. It was, wow, did some woman text him that to apologize? <laughs> that was fantastic. So it's like, if he's so good at, like, knowing himself and expressing himself and, like, getting where she's coming from, how could this petty misunderstanding that put them at each other's throats have gone on for so long and to that end do we buy his to use your phrase nothing burger explanation about the infamous cheese curd look of disgust incident that started this whole thing he was like didn't even remember it i'm so confused about the cheese curds (laughs) because okay how could she misinterpret being like let me not look at this girl too much because my brother doesn't want me to flirt with her with like Mm -hmm. ew you're disgusting and I hate cheese (laughs) yeah yeah and I hate you for being plump and eating cheese like that I don't know it was a little bit weird yeah and the whole explanation where it just got like put to bed 
I don't know. It was just odd. There, was odd. Maybe, maybe it wasn't that they needed to have more conversations, but we needed to have more context for how over the years this misunderstanding could have continued mm. without, you know, if it had been more of like Dane's manipulation, like Dane saying like, oh, she really hates you. Yeah. Like, like don't even bring it up to her because she's just going to bite your head off. Then maybe. Ooh, yeah, that's a good idea. That would have made more sense. Uh, But other than that, I don't really have any grievances. This was just so fun. It was. I have one more, which is, Mm -hmm. do we forgive him for not believing her about Dane? It's tricky because it's his brother. Yeah. And that's, that's like the only excuse for me. His brother is clearly a master manipulator. And didn't it say in the book that, like, he decided to go to therapy and he was getting better and trying to make amends or something? Uh, I don't remember. <laughs> which, which, good for him. Like, yeah. I, I like a redemption arc for a person, even if, you know, they... They're shit stain. They're shit stain. But <laughs> I, I don't... Surely, he must have had a part of him that knew. Yeah, You know, there must have been some part of him who has caught his brother in a lie before or has had questions about, like, what is this, like, weird dynamic with you and Amy? Or who would have let it slip to Amy at some point, like, Dane's other women. Yeah. Or are who else are you seeing? Like, I feel like this shit would have come up before. Right. I don't know. Uh, I don't know that I would have forgiven him as quickly as Olive did just because he showed up in a silly shirt. The grand gesture. Yeah. Yeah. And got her family all involved. That's like, that's my beef with a lot of romantic comedies, uh, you know, like movies and romances that sometimes it's like the grand gesture is used as this like big old band-aid that they just slap on this really deep like relationship problem. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, it's fine. So that, that's kind of like a bummer, but I don't know. He's (laughs) allegedly so emotionally mature that I'm sure everything will be fine. (laughs) Yeah. You you know, this is an example of the kind of grand gesture that doesn't work for me, but a grand gesture that did work for me was at the end of Pitch Perfect. And this Mm -hmm. might be like my favorite movie grand gesture because it was just an invitation to the wronged party. Like, hey, I I want to talk if if you're down, which was Mm -hmm. Becca singing Don't You Forget About Me at the big finals performance, which was clearly inspired by Skylar Aston's character. Mm -hmm. And that's a romantic gesture that he could have completely ignored and it would have been fine. He wasn't put on the spot. Yeah. Clearly some of his friends knew what that was a reference to, but it didn't involve like all eyes being on him and him having to make a decision on the spot about whether he wanted to be with her or not. Yeah. And it I wasn't feel like, like this situation actual... in which her entire family was like specifically invited to be there to witness yeah. it. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, and that's what a gesture actually means. A gesture is a gesture. It's not a forcing of your hand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like that's more of a performance than like a gesture. Yeah. So to that end, how about the worst half? Uh, 
Ethan because of him not believing her and wanting her to be silent about something that she was very concerned about. Which if he cared about his brother so much, then he should have understood her caring about her sister enough to want to see, like, hey, is this actually something you're okay with? Right. Yeah. How about you? Totally agree. Mm -hmm. I feel like, like you mentioned earlier, the alleged character flaw for Olive is that she's supposed to have this, like, poor pitiful me attitude and, like, not be a go-getter. But I didn't really see that (laughs) play out. Um, I mean, she lost her job, and so allegedly she has this poor pitiful me attitude about it, but we hear that she's gone on, like, dozens of job interviews and, like, is helping her sister out a whole bunch with her wedding. So I, I just don't see that. So Yeah. Um, and then, okay, so maybe she is mean to Ethan, and she maybe misinterprets the situation in a negative way, but honestly, like, she met him. He was friendly. She goes to get food and comes back. And his attitude has done a 180 to being like, he doesn't want to speak to her or look at her. So I don't think that's that unreasonable. Mm-hmm. So I have to go with Ethan too. Yeah. Agreed on him. How about an honorable sizzle? Oh, I'm so excited about this one. <laughs> Tell me yours. I want to see their mother. Yes! In a love story. Did you think the same thing? Yes! (laughs) Yeah, I just want to see this. Either, I don't have a particular thing in mind for her, but her mom was just so interesting. Mm -hmm. And um, it could be someone new coming into her life to, like, make her believe in love again after her horrible experience with Mm -hmm. her dad. Or... It could be that the dad comes back into the picture and it's like a second chance romance thing. Oh, I want it to be the dad because clearly, like, if she won't divorce him for years over what he did, like, she wants this man still in her life. For sure. In some twisted way. Yeah. (laughs) And, and like, I want to see that play out. She won't divorce him, but she's still, like, his stuff's still in their house because it's mentioned that like he has to tell her (laughs) via their chain of communication that he's going to come by the house and pick up some of his stuff. Mm -hmm. So like, they're still very present in each other's lives. And he's obviously like not fighting super hard to get out of the situation. So they're both kind of like locked in with each other in a way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that was your honorable sizzle too. Yeah. And the mom seemed like she was like funny and self-deprecating and she like was knocking back (laughs) champagne glasses at the wedding (laughs) yeah yeah and i would like to see more of her with her sisters Mm -hmm. um that was fun so um the next category we can talk about how about bookmarked so rereadable scenes scenes that you super enjoyed and would like to revisit Let's see. I highlighted so much in this book, and I'm looking at it in my Kindle now. There were so many great moments of sexual tension with them, and I think Mm. that the first kiss was just really good and the first time that they slept together. Mm -hmm. So those would be my rereadable scenes. Uh, And also, when they were on the plane, and Ethan was so scared and they talked about his lucky penny and about the nature of luck and any time that they just opened up to each other 
And then that little bit of that scene where Ethan got seasick and she was rubbing his back. Oh, yeah. And she's like, I still hate you. And he said, I know. And that's the moment where I really felt like things changed with them. Yes. Yes. So so I think maybe that one edges out the other ones. That one's really good. It it was very vivid, you know, like his head in her lap, her like brushing through his hair. That sort of like, oh shit, this connection has happened mm-hmm. <laughs> type thing. Okay, for me, I really enjoyed the dinner scene with the Hamiltons um, where they're pretending to be together and like they're still like at each other's throats at this point in the book mm-hmm. but it's that charm is coming out and I don't know it's just a scene that I could see in my mind's eye like playing out in a movie in a way I would really mm-hmm. enjoy um, similar to I think this might happen right before the C6 <laughs> scene but when they're in the bathroom on the boat changing mm-hmm. out of their oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah out of their scuba equipment out of their bathing suits into their regular clothes everyone's like oh yeah just go in there there's gonna be a long line so hurry up and <laughs> you guys can change at the same time because they're supposed to be married they're like gulp at the same time mm-hmm. so they go in they're fully nude and i don't know i think there's like water on the floor and unlucky olive slips and they end up having a tumble where they land on top of each other naked <laughs> And normally, as you know, I'm not a huge fan of slapstick. I absolutely loved the way this was done. It was so funny. Mm -hmm. And he was, like, blushing, I think. Um, It was just really, really cute. And it was a believable fall because it was something simple. It wasn't like she ran headlong into him and then they fell backwards in one big swoop. It was like she bumped into his shin and it was, like, one thing led to another and then they tripped. And then later they're joking and he's like, I feel like we should have used protection. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, it's just so good. Um, And then the last one that I really enjoyed, the massage lesson. Oh. Couples massage. They don't, they think they're just going to be being massaged simultaneously, you know, side by side massage beds. But no, it's like, oh, we'll teach you how to massage your partner. And they're like, oh, shit. And that was and before it's... they had, like, kissed or anything. Yes. The tension is, like, so good. And um, I don't know. I just really liked it. It was another one of those, like, forced situations. But it was just delicious. And then he's so smug about it because he's like, <laughs> you loved me rubbing your butt. <laughs> You loved my hands on you. <laughs> yeah, it was really yeah. good. I just found one more that I want to mention. When they have the yeah, what is this going to be when we get back home conversation. And they're watching this beautiful sunset in Maui. And they watch the sky continue to transform every few seconds. An unreal canvas co- changing constantly in front of us. It makes me feel like a little girl again. And instead of imagining a castle in the sky, I'm living in it. Truly the only thing we can see all around us is this dramatic painted sky. And they're around all these other people because it's one of the excursions. And then mm-hmm. toward the end of that scene, Ethan says to a woman passing by, excuse me, would you mind taking a photo of me and my girlfriend? And it's just like, ah, he called her his girlfriend. Yeah. I really liked how, I, I think she, 
brings this up, she's like, oh, well, this is just a fling, right? You know, kind of like the foreboding joy thing where she doesn't want to like get too excited about it in case he doesn't feel the same way. He's like, oh, is that what this is? <laughs> and it was just yeah. so cute. Okay. So speaking of cute, I want to hear about your fan casting for this. I don't really have good ones this time. Yours are so much better, but here goes. Okay. So uh, everyone knows that I'm obsessed with TikTok now after saying at the beginning of quarantine that I was never going to download it. You said that? Oh, you oh, gone yeah. way back on that. <laughs> I said never going to download it and then download it. And it's like never going to make an account and actually like save videos that I like. And then it was like, okay, but never going to actually make a TikTok video. (laughs) (laughs) That ship has sailed. (laughs) Yeah, that ship has sailed. So there is this guy. Uh, His handle, I think, is the Chris Barnett. He's an actor. I don't know if he's been in anything. He's clearly trying to be in things. But Mm -hmm. he does a lot of point of view videos. And he'll do acting challenges where he'll say some lines and then there'll be lines on the screen for someone to duet. And he's one of the people who's like most duetted on that app because really? his, his scenes are just like kind of engaging. He does lots of different characters. He does a lot of like sort of psychopath characters. Like he cosplays as the Joker a bunch. Um, he... And he has this like really intense appearance like all cheekbones all like steely eyes that like very chiseled very chiseled that i could just see as ethan like you look at this guy and you think like that guy's a pr-. like he <laughs> he could play like the seemingly like two buttoned up smug guy who secretly has a heart of gold and is really goofy very well because that's like the character that he plays on tiktok yeah yeah And then for Olive, I was trying to find a more curvy Latina actress because a lot of the Latina actresses who I think of right away are very slim. Mm -hmm. And the person I landed on was Ariella Bearer, I think is her name. She was on Marvel's The Runaways. Um, and, and she's by no means, like, exactly how I would picture Olive because she is yeah. still quite slender. Um, mm-hmm. But the character that she played in The Runaways was kind of sarcastic and sassy and very, like, feminist, like, stand your ground. Like, feminist in an annoying way, you know? Like, she was what people said olive was throughout the book like very cynical always looking at the worst and things yeah so if she were to play olive the way that she was described which wasn't necessarily the way that you and i saw her i think mm-hmm. that she would be a good person to pull off that role yeah how about you i'm so proud of this fan casting actually oh my gosh <laughs> i'm jealous <laughs> So for the brother, the Thomas brothers, Dane and Ethan, I would like them to be played by the Hemsworths. And when I brought this up to you, you're like, which Hemsworths? <laughs> which so, one's which? So for Ethan, we have the, the greater Hemsworth, which mm-hmm. is uh, Chris. And then for Dane, we have Liam, um, which perfect. I think 
tracks because like I have feelings about Liam because I'm I'm pro Miley Cyrus. So I have um, feelings about Liam because I'm anti Miley Cyrus and I feel like anyone who dated her that long is questionable. <laughs> All right, then that's perfectly fair. <laughs> perfectly fair. Um I think we could just do like a little rewrite and let them maintain their accents and it would all, it would be good. Mm. Um, so yeah, those two. And then for Olive, I, I think it would have to be another light rewrite where maybe it was like her younger sister versus her twin sister. Cause that would be very difficult to cast, mm-hmm. I think. And I really am not like here for a princess switch, Vanessa Hudgens and Vanessa Hudgens <laughs> situation. Like, so for Olive, I have Demi Lovato. Who I also have complicated feelings about, but I think yeah. she'd be really good in that role. Yeah, I think I think it works because she does have to be complicated because, mm-hmm. you know, she does need to be pretty mean <laughs> to Ethan in the beginning mm-hmm. and then like kind of come around. So, yeah. And I just feel like I would like to see that happen. Excellent. Excellent fan cast, and you know I'm always on board for Chris Hemsworth in anything. <laughs> yes. So, um, do you happen to have a recipe for this book? I do not have a recipe. I think that I'm just going to leave the recipes to you and transition to just pulling cards because that's what okay. I'm good at. You know, that's that's fine. We'll lean into our. Each of our own strengths. Mm-hmm. That works. Do you have a recipe? So I do. Okay. There are a lot of times throughout this book where Olive uh, drinks margaritas. Mm-hmm. And I have a very good margarita recipe. I know you don't love a margarita, but... But I'll drink so... a margarita. <laughs> so this is the best margarita ever. This was actually one of our signature cocktails at our wedding. Um, not your and my wedding, but me and my husband's wedding. So <laughs> That one's um... next. <laughs> just to clarify that's in the future um so you fill a shaker with ice you measure an ounce and a half of i prefer el Himador tequila then you measure in three quarters of an ounce of agave nectar three quarters of an ounce of fresh lime juice not like a lime syrup Mm -hmm. and then you just shake that all up together and you pour over ice and garnish with fresh lime. And it just something about not using like a pre-mixed margarita mix. It, it just tastes a billion times better. So this is my go-to recipe. Very nice. I do prefer when a margarita is made with actual lime and not with a syrup. Yeah. It, it makes a big difference. Do you have a tequila recommendation? Or like a yeah, go-to? Yeah, I like El Jimador. That's my, my fave right there. Very nice. What about like a spicy margarita? Because you like, how do you make a margarita spicy? Um, if I was going to do like a jalapeno marg, I would probably, I have not made like a hot syrup with agave nectar, so I don't really know if that works. But my, my intuition would be to heat the agave nectar with slices fresh slices of jalapeno mm-hmm. or just make a simple syrup um, with just plain sugar with the jalapeno to steep in there to give it some spice and then you could do some fresh jalapeno slices with your fresh lime slices your garnish mm, very interesting Ooh, you could also do like a little bit of cayenne in your salt rim 
if you wish. Oh, that sounds dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it would be very pretty. Yeah, and tasty. So, oh, and you could also do a little splash of um, mezcal if you wanted to go like the smoky, spicy Ooh. route. Anywho, Good that's recipe. enough for my recipe. Well, let, let's see. Are you going to do a spread, like a card for each and then a relationship card? Or what do you have in mind? Uh, I think that that's been working out really well. I think yeah. that at some point for some book, I would like to do a 10 card spread. But that I would like, I would want to lay it out in advance mm-hmm. and sort of sit with it. Uh, so the deck that I'm using today is... True Heart Intuitive Tarot by Rachel True. And Rachel True uh, played a character in the original The Craft movie. I forget the character's name because I haven't seen that movie in years. But she's the only woman of color in The Craft. And she has been a tarot reader for many years. She was into tarot before she was in the craft which is interesting that her hmm. like big role was in a witchy movie uh and this deck is really pretty i've seen it all over instagram i just bought it today despite saying that i wasn't gonna buy it today and that i was going to wait because i just bought another deck last week and this one's number 12 and i have a problem but that's <laughs> fine because I pay my mortgage. So first TikTok now this Liz. I mean, come on. I have poor impulse control. That is part of my personality <laughs> disorder. And you know, we just gotta keep it pushing. Okay. So <laughs> Okay, wow. So like three cards just like fell out. So I'm gonna go okay. with that. Uh let's see. Let's see if these work. Okay. I think that these might work. So for Olive. I got the Princess of Wands, which would be the Page of Wands in a traditional deck. Uh, For Ethan, I got Queen of Disc, which is also known as Queen of Pentacles. And Mm. then for Relationship Advice, I got Prince of Wands. So that would be the Knight of Wands. Uh, So for Olive, I see the Page of Wands as... A card of knowing what you want in life and going after it, being at the start of new projects, of finding what it is that inspires you. And that's absolutely where Olive is toward the end of the book, where she is realizing that the job that she lost might not have been the right job for her because, yeah, she would have been good at it and she would have enjoyed it but is it really like what drives her ethan Mm -hmm. loves his job and he has a job that sounds pretty boring but it's something that he's really passionate about so she knows that a job that she's really passionate about doesn't necessarily have to be something flashy uh so i think that she is looking for new beginnings in her life for exploring options for developing her ambition Uh, I'm flipping through the very thick and extensive guidebook that came with this one. Like, it's like a whole book. And usually a tarot guidebook will be pretty short, but this one's like 200 pages. Um, Whoa. So I kind of wanted to see what Rachel True's take on it was. Uh, High vibe, attraction, beginnings, messages, optimism, freedom, focus, ambition, 
burgeoning sexuality, low vibe, suppressed energy, lethargy, inertia, mania, procrastination. Uh, in relationship dynamics, this princess is a seductress in training and a magnetic mate. Dating can be exciting, but a little like playing with fire if you're big on commitment. The princess of wands can open up your world if you let them in, though their interests can wane depending on their mercurial moods. They may have eyes on more than one person at a time, so communicate your needs and be clear that you're on the same page. The part of that that really sticks out to me is I do think that Olive wants to be on the same page with her partner, and I think that she does have concerns about commitment. Mm-hmm. Uh, not so much a fear of commitment, but she really thinks it through before she gets into a relationship with Ethan because it is going to complicate things. Right. And then for Ethan, the Queen of Pentacles, I think of the fact that he is in a profession that deals with finances and with math. Mm-hmm. So I think that he is very practical and very comfort comfortable in being practical um yeah queen energy is nurturing queen of wands is fire and ambition they're both people who take really passionate stances on things and know the kind of life that they're seeking and they both have tempers that they express in their own way so i'm seeing um I'm seeing that in both of them, but he's definitely more grounded than she is. Did I at some point say Queen of Wands because it's Queen of Pentacles? Um, okay. But yeah, but like he's more like a grounded ambition and she's, I think, a little bit dreamier. And then sure. for advice for them, the Prince of Wands, which would be the Knight of Wands, that's a card of action and focus on your goals i think that them having mutual goals to work toward is something that would be really beneficial for them because they do make a good team and they do each have skills that the other person lacks Mm -hmm. uh like the fact that he was able to pick up where she was unable to play the part yeah at that dinner uh Rachel True's book says high vibe action, adventure, opportunities, exuberance, sexuality, attraction, freedom. I think that they should travel a lot. I think that they should get away from their routines as much as possible because they really thrive in being thrown into new situations together. Yes, for sure. And that's very nice. And this deck is very pretty. So I'm excited to dive into it. It's a little. It's a little hard, like, that's literally the first pull that I've done from this deck. So it, yeah. it's hard when you're starting with a new deck to, like, kind of connect with it. Mm-hmm. What does the high vibe, low vibe mean? So she does not talk about reversals. Okay. Uh, she doesn't read reversals. And some people don't read reversals. I've become more partial to reading reversals. So the way that she gets around that is, like, let's say you really like um, the High Priestess. So I I would think of High Vibe in the High Priestess card being, like, you're really connected to your intuition. You feel comfortable in the knowledge that you have. Um, Being, like, empowered in 
whatever your profession is or whatever your area of expertise is. And then low vibe, I would think like maybe you're not listening to your intuition or maybe you're keeping secrets that are harming you or harming other people. Uh, So it's kind of like, it sounds like it's the light side and the shadow side of different cards. So if you were having a really shitty situation and pulled a card, how would that card be read toward a shitty situation versus toward a positive situation? Okay, so that makes sense. So yeah, I'm excited to dive into this guidebook because it's so extensive and I was surprised when I opened the box. That's exciting. All right. Anything else about the Unhoneymooners? Um... Well, I read it in about eight hours. Mm-hmm, same. And I read it, like, continuously. I, I think I started, like, maybe a few pages before I went to bed the night before, but I was too tired to really, like, dig mm-hmm. in. So the next morning, I started it again, and I just could not put it down. So it was just delightful. It was fun. And I would probably even reread it, which I don't do that a lot. So I feel like that's a compliment coming from mm-hmm. me. <laughs> What about you? Uh, I felt the same way. I was reading it so late. So I read it for hours at a time. And I thought the characters were, you know, I love great dialogue between characters. It can be really easy to screw up enemies to lovers because you've got to, like, have something there that shows that they could turn around. They definitely had that all the time. Like, there was always chemistry between them. Uh, And... I really am so curious about their other books. Like, are they all funny? Are they all um, first person? Do they ever alternate between characters? There's just like, and they have, they've written so many books together. I'd be curious to go back to their first one. I think Beautiful Bastard, which is the one that's like Twilight fan fiction. Uh, Or it was Twilight fan fiction in the beginning. And, uh, Twice, twice upon a blue moon, which I already have, and a few others, to see how their style may have changed and progressed. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah, and to see if they always write pretty much the same tone, or if it changes a lot. Yeah. Okay. Well, report back once you do. Yes. I'm very curious. All right. Well. Thank you guys for listening. We will have links to things that we talked about in the show notes. You can check us out on Instagram at makeoutalreadypod. And you can check us out on Twitter at makeout underscore already. And maybe if we one day record an episode where I am really drunk, I will drop the TikTok handle so that you can go (laughs) and laugh at me. I have 42 (laughs) followers. Wow, that's more, that's more, way, way more Twitter followers than we have. So that would be. (laughs) All right. And until next time, air kisses.